This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This is our two Sportsnet today, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios in Calgary, Alberta. It is the Sports Drive, and it's brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. PK, did you know that Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? What? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. In hour one, we broke down the Bill Peters hiring by the Lethbridge Hurricanes. And dove into our first edition of Ask Andy for the fantasy football season approaching quickly. All of that available to you wherever you get your podcast. The Hour One podcast will be up momentarily. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Jay's big winners today. We'll get to that coming up in a little bit. Uh, PK as they take two of three against the Washington Nationals. Take that. Uh, yeah, Nats. Yeah, the Natinals. Yeah, Davis Schneider owns your franchise. Boom. Um, <laughs> Except for in the ninth inning of a one-run ball game. Yeah. But aside from that. There's, there's other things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's Peter Klein. I'm Logan Gordon. Uh, we talked a bit this week about uh, Labor Day weekend coming up from the CFL. Week 13 is here. The Calgary Stampeders back to work. It's uh, a longer week for them with the Monday game. Uh, it's a 5 o'clock start from the command. They're planning a blackout. They're encouraging you to wear your... Uh, Best black Stampeders gear. Ooh, formal. Their uh, Labor Day jerseys from over the years, whether it's the crisp new ones they introduced last year or any of the uh, iterations that have come in Labor Days of past. Uh, Rocket on Monday as they welcome in the Elks. And, man, sure feels like a big game for two teams that uh, aren't making noise league-wide, PK, but uh, need to get something done when it comes to uh, at least the bottom of the CFL standings. Yeah. And wouldn't it be something the Elks walk in and, and take advantage of a Stampeders team that stumbled the last couple of weeks? So we'll see what happens. But uh, as the Stampeders got back to work on this Wednesday, uh, Matty Rose brings you today's edition of the Stamps Report. This, this is the Stamps Report with Matty Rose. The Calgary Stampeders took to the practice field Wednesday after a few days off, had a tough stretch of games, beating Toronto almost a month ago before losing games to BC, Winnipeg, and then Toronto in a rematch. So the group had a couple days to regroup before the Labor Day Classic comes on Monday and the team faces the Elks. The head coach, Dave Dickinson, had some time to reflect on the loss as a result, and he talked about that when he joined the big show with George Russick and myself for his usual Wednesday morning chat. Well, it was hard. It was like uh, big momentum swings both ways, big plays. Um, you know, we definitely kept fighting. I know early we got down and uh, was, we needed some of our big plays to kind of bring us back into it. I, I like the I like the energy on the sideline. It's, it's just that we, we can't seem to find a game that three phases play well together. We like a, a group that's played well the previous game struggles and vice versa. And, um, you know, we're right in it, but we're not getting the job done. So it does take a lot out of you. It really does. It takes a lot out of the players and the coaches. I mean, you feel like the opportunity is there and you can't seem to get the job done. And we got to find a way to break through and, and, and create some momentum now. 
This game was close against the Toronto Argonauts. Ultimately, a punt return touchdown was the difference as Calgary lost, but the defense, they weren't able to stymie the Argos the same way that they did at home a few weeks back. One reason, obviously, Chad Kelly able to play the entire game, but over recent weeks, it's been kind of up and down for this defense. Week 7, the team gives up 43 points to Dustin Crum and the Red Blacks. Then they give up 18 points to Cody Fajardo and the Alouettes. The only touchdown scored on a pick six. That's a solid game. Week nine, week nine beat the Argos. They only allow seven points against. That great. But then they get thumped for 37 against in BC in week 10. Then most recently, you hold Winnipeg to less than 20 points, but you lose. And then you give up 350 yards passing to the Argos the next week. Dave Dickinson talked about the recent play of the defense. They've had a good year, um, kept us in the Winnipeg game multiple times, uh, wasn't their best. Uh, we we had some breakdowns. We're still messing with our back end. We're trying to find the right mix, made some plays, but also gave up some big ones and, um, you know, give them credit as well. I, I mean, one of their long ones, we, we we had him in our arms. He broke free and made a great throw. Uh, they have a lot of weapons. They were hot as well. Um, you know, settle into what we do well, settle into what we do well, and Continue to increase our tackling. I think that's the one thing you'll notice on our defense. When we play well, we're tackling. We're getting guys to the ground. We're, we're, we're swarming the ball. Uh, that's something we'll need to do this week. Offensively, we saw the most productive game from a receiver all year long as Reggie Bagleton caught 9 of 13 targets for 203 yards receiving, a couple of touchdowns as well. This season, he has caught 54 of 80 passes for 814 yards with those two touchdowns. He leads the league in targets. He's one reception short of the league leader, Sean Bain, with the Riders, and he's 14 yards short of the league leader in Austin Mack of the Alouettes. It's been a strong season for Reggie Bagleton, and Dave Dickinson gave him his props Wednesday morning. He's had a, a pretty dang good year, but to, the last game was, was his best amazing effort. Um, just looked like he was trying to carry us. Him and Jake mm-hmm. had a good good connection. You know, they started their back end, got beat up, and, um, you know, they were playing mostly zone, but Reggie was still finding his windows, and we did. Uh, we were able to find some shots over the top. And when we're when we're explosive, you know, we've always had, you know, to me, those inside slots are good possession guys, but when they can take the ball down the field and make explosive plays, that's when our offense is at its best. Reggie Bagleton certainly is not afraid to take a hit, to make a grab, or to turn up field after he's caught the ball, try and drag a couple defenders past the first down marker or into the end zone. He's also never one to take glory in personal victories. Reggie talked about the team when he chatted with CTV's Glenn Campbell and myself after practice on Wednesday. I mean, we know we all have a job to do, uh, and ultimately that job is to win. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, you could take a lot of good out of it, but for us to get to our ultimate goal, which is the Great Cup, it wasn't good enough. So I don't care how good we did as offense. What about this battle about Alberta? Because it's a little different. You guys three wins, Edmonton two wins. What are you expecting from the Labor Day Classic coming up? I expect the best team in the league, and that's the way we're going to go into it. These guys have a mission. They, they're honestly in the race too, pretty much. I mean, they're right there behind us. So if they went out, then... It is, it's going to be interesting what kind of storyline this could be, right? So we, we just have to handle our job and, and, and don't worry about too much too far in the future. Just handle game one and then one and oh. You had a great game last weekend, but you weren't the only receiver to have a great game. How much of that is kind of the blueprint for how this offense can create success? That That's the only way our offense can can, uh, can have success. If everybody does their part, everybody does their job. We know we have playmakers. We just have to get the ball in each other's hands and trust that the person next to you is going to do his job and make those plays. 
What growth have you seen from Jake over the course of the season through some of the hard times and some of the good times? Consistency. Jake Jake is, is a guy that he bends, but he doesn't break. I mean, as much criticism he got, he's got over the year, uh, it, it says a lot about his character. Uh, we're, we're behind him. Uh, the conversations that we have, he knows we have a brotherhood here. We have a family, and it, it, it helps him a lot. It helps us a lot, too. You see, the season really starts at Labor Day. Do you, do you believe that, number one? And can you guys turn this thing around in this second half kind of thing? I mean, yeah, that is the same, but unfortunately for us, it, it seems like the season has been going <laughs> all year. I mean, we've been in a dogfight pretty much every week, and it, it, it builds character. Adversity builds character, and I, I think we're ready to go. You've played in some Labor Day games. What's your favorite part about them? Uh, right when those Jets pass and, and, and that drilling and just, just suddenly come, you can't help but smile. Like me, some people get excited. Me, I just smile because it reminds me how, how grateful I am to be here. Would you rather be returning the kickoff or having your defense go out first after the Jets? Honestly, I'd rather have the ball first as an offense. Get going. It is one of the best parts of Labor Day. The Jets, the crowd, the anticipation, the rivalry. And with Edmonton going out winning a couple games here lately, it's definitely not the free space on the bingo card that it looked to be four or five weeks ago. Dave Dickinson talked about his favorite parts of Labor Day Wednesday morning. I've always enjoyed them. I mean, and the fans too. It's just... This week we're supposed to hit that blackout, so, so I, I'm excited to see what the fans do. I, I love it when the fans come and wear the same color. I just think it's cool as a stadium. Yep. Uh, I'm sure there'll be uh, quite a bit of red and, and very little green. That's that's the goal. But I, I think the blackout <laughs> would be fun for everybody to just come. Everyone owns a black shirt. Uh, kind of make it seem what it is. Get the Jets over and, and really try to have a great game. You heard the coach on Labor Day. Wear black, black shirt, red hat, still find a way to lock, rock the logo somewhere, but blacking out the stadium to match the unbelievably sharp uniforms that look pretty cool, look good, play good, and against a team that is right behind them in the standings and that they also have to play in back-to-back weeks. Well, you always want to win when, when you have a back-to-back, you want to win your home game. That's your number one priority. So for us, it's got to be this Labor Day game right now. Um, and then try to go steal one on the road. That's always been the mentality in this in this back-to-back series against these guys. Um, for me, you take away, we have played, everybody in the league uh, really only had one game where we didn't come out and play to our best and, and show that we were competitive. Um, you know, when I say that, when our best, it's just feel like we've been able to beat any team in this league. So we played the top two teams in back-to-back weeks. We got beat by one by Winnipeg and then uh, had our chances till that late punt return against Toronto. So I think the guys are believe that they can win. It's just now we got to get get the job done. So winning breeds winning. So Edmonton's got two in a row as well. They're they feel like they've turned their season around. They have a chance now. And uh, you know this, these two games will kind of set uh, either team if they can sweep it, set their season up to at least make a, a potential run to get in the playoffs. And and once you're in the dance, anything can happen. The Stampeders will deal with Trey Ford, a quarterback for the Elks. Since taking over as the starter a few weeks back, he has had a tough debut against the Bombers back in Week 10. But that'll happen to many players facing this iteration of the Bombers. And they had a bye. Then he led his group to a win over Hamilton, throwing for a couple of touchdowns, no interceptions, 60 yards rushing, real tidy effort on the road against a struggling Hamilton team. Then the real question was, could he break this 22-game home losing streak over 1,400 days long 
the Red Blacks were in town last weekend, and sure enough, he was able to build on that performance against Hamilton at home to the Red Blacks, 317 yards passing, a touchdown, no interceptions, and he rushed 10 times for 74 yards and another score. He is dynamic. He is feeling it right now, but Dave Dickinson has his guys ready for the challenge. We've played some very dynamic quarterbacks. Um, he can throw. He's he's fast. I mean, he's straight fast. He's probably as fast as anyone on the field. Uh, but he has that arm that, that makes it a weapon. Uh, still a young quarterback, so when you do that, you want to mix up your looks and, and give him things to, different things to look at. Uh, last year, we did play him and knocked him out of the game, and uh, you know that's what you got to do if a quarterback's coming across the line of scrimmage. He's got to make sure he, he feels you. Um, hopefully, we have to do a good job containing him, and also, like I said, that, that comes back to tackling, tackling as a group of 12 and, and making sure we don't give him second chances. So that is the challenge in front of the Stampeders right now. The Edmonton Elks at home Monday, a 5 o'clock start. Do note the later than usual start time. The other thing to keep an eye on for the Stampeders right now is transactions. In the NFL, teams are forging their practice rosters after final cuts on Tuesday. Who's going to stay? Who's going to go? Who's going to maybe return to the CFL? And how are the Stampeders approaching this part of the calendar? We monitor it. Um, just not sure how many of the guys are going to jump right away to come up here. But there was a nice, to me, a lot of good football players that got released. I know Canada was shocked that Nathan Rourke got released. Right. It's part of a process. And, uh, you know, I personally, I don't know what was said over there between Jacksonville and his agent himself. But it is a tough league to break in. And there's so many good players that don't necessarily uh, make active rosters and those are the guys we need to get up here get excited about the cfl and show them what a great opportunity our league is and, and build them so we saw some guys obviously we like um in our league julian good jones got released i'm i am expecting him to get a practice roster offer but i don't know that uh he was probably our main guy that as far as uh, we we've been tracking but there's certainly tons of other talent and we let it kind of the process happen waivers and do they sign on the practice roster? And if not, are they willing to come up? Do they have their passport? Um, those are the guys we're looking hard at and working hard to see if they can make us a better team. Uh, of course, the Stampeders have been known to bring up players late in the season. Reggie Bagleton did it. James Waters did it. Trey Roberson did it. That's just off the top of my head a few lately. One player in particular that you could keep an eye on down south is last year's right tackle, Julian Good-Jones. He was in camp with the Eagles. He was cut on Tuesday. You heard Dave Dickinson talk about him in the clip prior. Does sound like Good Jones is probably headed to a practice roster more than anything. Dave Dickinson said this after Wednesday's practice. I don't expect it. I think he, uh, what I've seen, I thought he's done pretty well. Uh, But we'll see where we welcome him back with open arms. But uh, we also rooting for him. Uh, So all the guys down there we're definitely keeping contact with, even the guys on our nag list. Uh, but we we got to kind of let the process happen and uh, make sure if they want to come up, uh, they're fully committed and uh, it'd be great to get a, a few reinforcements. But we're happy with our guys. They competed well and had a good day of practice. You've touched on it before, but how different is that process? Yeah, it's not different for me, but I mean, I don't know what the mindset of the players are down there. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of our league and I, I think we should sell our league a little more. I mean, like, I, I don't think they can compete with our salaries, um, you know, and I I think a lot of guys understand that they come here. It's a special league. It's a great league. Um, it's easier to get the guys back up here that have been here. They understand kind of what Canada is about. Uh, sometimes, you know, th- people think a different country. I'm not going there. But uh, once they get here, usually it's been a positive for the players. And uh, I, I would bet teams like us that have a, a losing record 
you're always looking to possibly uh, find a few players here or there to make your team better. It's tougher when you're winning because, you know, you, you kind of feel like you need to reward that good play. We'll see if anything comes out of it for the Stampeders being 3-8 and eight as they approach Labor Day. That's a little bit different than 8-3, and three, the record that Dave might have had when he was only the head coach going through past years but didn't have the GM title. So a little bit interesting here. First time as GM, kind of dealing with the NFL transactions and all that. We'll see if the Stampeders do anything as the season does go on. As far as injuries go, as we get ready for Monday, a couple things to monitor. Kadeem Carey, Tommy Lee Lewis, a couple of the skill position players on the offense. We'll see how much they practice this week ahead of Monday. And uh, Mike Moore, defensive lineman, got a little bit banged up in practice on Wednesday as well. We'll have to see what the extent of that is as the week rolls on. With your Stampeders report, I'm Matt Rose. Thank you, Matty. Appreciate that as always. Yes, the Stampeders and the Elks. Labor Day Classic, Monday at McMahon Stadium, 5 o'clock kickoff. A little different than years past, usually at the 2.30 kickoff, but we're going to go a little bit later uh, for this year's edition. Do you think the Stampeders are in a spot, PK, to bring anybody up for a season right now? Like, is there an NFL cut? I don't really have to go through names. I know Julian Good-Jones is the one they talked about yeah. in that, but at 3-8... and eight, they're not out of the playoff conversation. There's still a chance, but I mean, if you're just trying to convince a guy to come up for the year, is that still something that you'd be interested in doing if you're Dave Dickinson? I I would be, yeah. Um, given how inconsistent this team has been, I, I don't know if there's one area you probably probably good on receivers. Um, probably, and and I, I would say the the running back room is pretty solid as well. But aside from that, um, I, I don't know if there's an area where it's like, oh no, we couldn't improve upon this part of the team. The, the offense has struggled at times. The defense struggled most recently um and there have been some special teams problems this year so i I don't think that you can overlook anything i understand at three and eight adding may seem like a a bit of a fool's errand but you are um four points back of saskatchewan for third place the last playoff spot in the west i don't think like the crossover is still there but you still also have to get to 10 points right now to to get to that you can't finish tied with hamilton tiebreaker goes to the team that's actually in that division so you do have to clear them um but still Saskatchewan smart money would say they're about to go 0 and 2 over their next couple of games. So Calgary has an opportunity to, to gain some ground and get right back into this playoff race. Again, I don't think they're a, a particularly awesome team, but I do think that still getting into the postseason, still getting some of these young players that postseason experience, getting Jake Mayer some of that postseason experience, some more of that anyway, because the last go around didn't go great. Uh, so giving him another opportunity at that with the, the light shining bright, I think is very important for this team. So. I, I do think it still would be worth it to, to go out. I, I don't know if I would be breaking the, the bank necessarily and breaking salary cap rules, although it's been done. But I, I, I certainly would give it a look for sure. Yeah, it's always... Uh, I wonder if it's harder to sell for this team too, being 3-8 and eight this year instead of, you know, for the past, like we've mentioned so many times, past decade. It's been easy to say, hey... Jump on in. We're going to the playoffs. Yeah, probably hosting the West Final. Right, so we're going to be going to be in it, and you're going to want to join that. I I wonder if that makes it harder for Dave Dickinson and company to to perhaps entice someone to to come up and say, hey, well, we're, we could really use a a boost. We're three yeah. and eight. If you don't mind, you know, coming up and giving us a hand. I I don't know that that's a factor, but I, I wonder if it if it is a harder sell for him than usual. Um, and I'm curious, just in general, you know, with the CFL how many guys we see come up. We've seen the Stampeders in particular use this a lot to their benefit, but uh, I'm also curious to see, because I mean, we've seen some guys, we're still waiting for a guy like Darnell Sankey to potentially land somewhere. I thought it was pretty set in stone that he would be on a roster by now, 
but like Dave said, there were quite a few names that they were surprised to see cut, and that's now that the final the rosters are finalized, waivers have gone through today. That's really the next thing we're waiting on is is for guys to to land somewhere. Yeah, and I think because of how close things are in the different tiers in the CFL, I think there's a real opportunity to to set yourself apart. Like Calgary could have a chance to pull away or pull up to and then away from a, a Saskatchewan. I was thinking more pull away in terms of uh, talent gap wise, but um, out east with, with Hamilton, Montreal, and and still Ottawa kind of all lumped together. There's an opportunity for one of those teams to go out and try to to make a big improvement. And then at the top, Toronto looks like the best team in the league. I do think that they could be bolstered a little bit. Winnipeg is starting to hit their stride, but they could use some talent. And BC's in a speed wobble right now. They could use an inf- uh, infusion of talent. I'm sure they were keeping a close eye on the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback situation over the last couple of days, although quarterback hasn't been their problem. Um, but no, like there's because the, everything feels so close in their groups right now, one or two extra players coming from down south, I, I think could really add some intrigue to the, the last month and a bit of the regular season. And uh, like you said, I guess salary cap considerations also something that we got to take into consideration and figure out yep. what exactly teams have to spend if they've been saving some money, if there's anything left, do they have to make some moves to maybe fit somebody in unexpectedly? We'll we'll wait and see. But uh, waivers are sort of settling down here in the NFL. We're kind of figuring out our, our final rosters as we get set uh, for week one to begin next Thursday uh, in Kansas City. But of course, CFL Labor Day weekend, kick it off on Saturday with the Owls and the BC Lions. We will take a break, come back on the other side. Time to finish things off on this Wednesday, looking back at the last two games for the Toronto Blue Jays. Last night, they fell to the Nats, but bounced back today thanks to a strong performance from Chris Bassett. Where do they sit? What does the out-of-town scoreboard look like on this Wednesday? We'll answer those questions when Sportsnet Today returns here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Earlier today on this Wednesday... Jays finishing off their three-game series with the Washington Nationals. little midday affair you heard right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. And it sure felt like they needed one like this. Yes. After, uh, last night's uh, miscues and errors forced them to need a win to pick up a series victory against the Nationals today. Chris Bassett does everything and more for the Jays. This uh, early bottom first two-run double from Alejandro Kirk would be all the offense the Jays need on this Wednesday. The 0-1. Kirk charges it out to left field. Alou back, feeling for the wall, leaps into the air, and he can't make the catch. Schneider scores. Guerrero scores. Alejandro Kirk delivers. It's a two-run double, and the Blue Jays have the early lead. And yes, they would maintain that early lead because Chris Bassett was unbelievable. This was the reaction after he finished up his night in eight scoreless innings. 2-2. Line to left. Merrifield gauges it. He's right there. Makes the play in front of his cap to retire the side. How about Chris Bassett? Eight shutout frames. He's been great today. One of the best of the season for the big right-hander. Blue Jays lead 7-0, middle of the eighth. This is Blue Jays baseball. How about this? Ovation for Chris Bassett as well at Rogers Center today, giving him the recognition he certainly deserves as he strolls off the field. 
What are you doing, Ben? You can't go to break. There's a standing yeah. ovation happening. Come on, Ben. This is Blue Jay. What? what they're, they're standing for Chris Bassett. <laughs> we got to give him credit. Yes, eight scoreless innings for Chris Bassett. Jay Jackson comes into the ninth inning and finishes this one off. Uh, they're into a day off tomorrow, Klein, which is good. Uh, they could use the extra rest for guys like Kiermaier, Belt, who have been off the last couple of days. And nice to not have to dive into the bullpen for once for more than one guy for one inning. Yes. And everybody gets an extra day off after a win like that. Yeah, it, it is really good to get the, the rest for those guys. And when they come back against Colorado, sounds like Chad Green might be a, a part of things now as the, the Blue Jays uh, had him have his what appears to be final rehab outing. So it, it all seems like it's going pretty well. Um, the, the game yesterday was incredibly frustrating and a real difficult one to lose. And you could argue it, it seems very hyperbolic, but with a month left in the regular season, a loss today kind of felt like it might have been it. You know, like that they would have been four to four and a half games back by by the time the day was done. And it would have been that that's a real big mountain to climb. So it is only one game against a very bad baseball team. But holy cow, do you need to win those? And now I at this point, like just taking two of three from Colorado and taking two of three from Oakland doesn't feel like enough. Like we've been saying this team needs to go on a run. This was the stretch where they needed to go on a run. Well, for the first six games, they're playing 500. Not a run. That's how I run, but that's not a run. Uh, th- th- this is a team that needs to now really get going against uh, Colorado and Oakland here in the next little bit. Well, and the problem becomes, as we look at the out-of-town scoreboard today, even when you win, you're not necessarily gaining ground, and that's kind of what's happened today. Yep. Look at the teams around them. The A's look like they might have been able to do the Jays a favor beating Seattle, but that didn't wind up happening. Mariners down the Athletics 5-4. Astros, 7-4 winners over the Boston Red Sox. Rangers are trailing the Mets 3-1 midway through the fourth as we speak to you right now. But again, Mets have been terrible. I don't know if that's uh, set in stone halfway through that game. So, yeah, there's. it's good to pick up the wins, and you have to. But the whole reason about going on a streak, you're right, PK, is that, you know, some of those nights you're going to get losses from other teams. Mm-hmm. If you're just picking up a win here or there and you're hopeful that the entire out-of-town scoreboard goes your way, well, most nights it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason those other teams are in playoff positions as well, and that's what makes it so difficult to climb back in any sort of playoff race, not just Major League Baseball. We see this all the time with hockey. Get, you know, get behind a couple of points late in the season where you have to climb over teams and rely on help from the out-of-town scoreboard, it doesn't come very often. No, it really doesn't. That, that's why that four-game series against the Rangers, uh, I believe it's next week, is is so huge for the, this ball club because it's the, the only head-to-head, I believe, that they two have. Weeks with it, two the weeks 11th. from now. Um, it, it is the, the only head-to-head they have with anyone else in, in the playoff race the, the rest of the way. So that they are going to have to go out there and really take care of business in that series. But you look at it like the, the Rangers have been struggling. They're three and seven in their last 10. The Blue Jays have only gained two games on them because they're playing 500, like making up three games. It doesn't sound like a whole lot, but it's, it, it'd be six points in the hockey standings. And like, it, it just, it, it has, it, it is not insurmountable. I, I still think that this team is a potential of making uh, the playoffs. I think they're a better baseball team than the Texas Rangers are right now, especially the injury issues that they've had to their pitching rotation this year and the, the outrageous issues they've had in their bullpen. But th- this is this is not going to be easy. And just taking two out of three and, oh, we dropped one here. We'll make it up in the next one. 500 baseball is not going to get it done. 
uh, everyone's pointing to, I, I think it would now be what, 17 and 11 they would need to, to make it to 90 wins. I don't know if 90 wins is even getting you there, but that's the, the start. So it, it is going to be a climb, but nights like tonight are, are certainly going to, or afternoons like today are certainly going to go a long way to that. Uh, Jays are in action Friday to kick off the September portion of their schedule. It sees 27 games in the month. Starts off with a series at Colorado on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then into Oakland for three, back home for three against the Royals, and four against the Texas Rangers, followed by three against the Red Sox. Then uh, that all AL East finale to their season with the Red Sox series at Yankees, at Rays, versus Yankees, versus Rays to finish it all off for the Toronto Blue Jays. But the good news was uh, the team got it done today, and that was something that uh, pitcher Chris Bassett uh, was quite happy to see from his group on a day where they needed a win, and he certainly provided enough help from that uh, end of it with his uh, eight scoreless innings pitched. Yeah, I think I think we've all been waiting for it. I really do. Um, I know I'm talking with other guys and other teams. I think even the league's kind of waiting for it to happen. Um, hopefully it does. Um, but, I mean, if we put it all together, I don't think they're a team better in the big leagues. I really don't. Um, it's just a matter of if we can put it together at the right time. I know I said at last interview, we have the guys to do it. Um, there's a lot of false hope in the league when it comes to, like, all right, we can put it together at the right time, but you don't have the guys to put it together at the right time. We have the guys to put it together at the right time. It's just a matter of getting it done. I feel like uh, when our pitching was hot, our hitting was cold. When our hitting was hot, our pitching was cold. So it just... Like I said, we have the we have the guys to do it, and it's just just don't panic, just just have fun, and we'll 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 put it together at the right time. Chris I, Bassett, sorry, I want to know when the the hitting was hot and the pitching was cold. I missed that part of the season, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I know what he's saying. Like he can't be like, yeah, we've been dog bleep all season long. I don't know why. I don't know why we have a chance now. I get what he's saying, but I I missed that portion of the season. Uh, sticking with Toronto, but moving over to hockey, uh, news of the NHL today, the Toronto Maple Leafs signing head coach Sheldon Keefe to a multi-year contract extension. Uh, Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman first on this. It's a two-year contract extension as Keefe was entering the final year of his contract in 2023-2024. Of course, the man signing him to that contract is former Flames and now Leafs GM Brad Treliving. Keefe was hired as head coach to replace Mike Babcock back on November 20th. 2019, after being the coach of the Marlies, the Leafs AHL affiliate, he's racked up a 166-71-30 and 30 record over four seasons with the Leafs. That puts them at a 622 winning percentage, which is good for fourth in the NHL during that time. This is a very similar situation that uh, Brad Schliving walked into with Bob Hartley, uh, who was here at the time, although um, they spent the year together, I believe, before he gave Hartley that contract extension. I don't know that it was done. I think you're right on that. Before season. But anyways, uh, Brad Treliving didn't want to uh, walk into the season with his coach in what a lot of people think is is usually a bad spot with uh, one year remaining on your contract. So he gets the work done today to sign uh, Sheldon Keefe to a new contract. And look, this is always, I always feel for GMs that are put in this spot with a a coach that's not theirs. Um, But I appreciate, similar to the Calgary situation, that Brad... It's going to give Sheldon the opportunity to prove to him that 
he is the right guy for the job in Toronto. Yeah, and I think that they kind of had to do this um, if they didn't like get rid of him at the end of the postseason or whatever. Um, Sheldon Keefe is a, a fine coach. Like most coaches, he does have some flaws. But in that market in particular, you can't go into a, a season with a, a lame duck coach. That would be asked at every press conference, every media availability, every anything, charity golf tournament, you name it, they would be asking at it. It would just become a thing that's probably bigger than it needs to be. And so I, I think that from a, a Leafs perspective, it makes a whole lot of sense. I don't know if it means, like it, it means that Sheldon Keefe has, you know, uh, maybe a bit more job security, but all it really means is that if the Leafs don't succeed in the playoffs this year, it just means that he gets a buyout instead of his yeah. contract expiring. That's that is essentially what it is. A anytime a coach signs an extension, my first thought is, well, the buyout's going to get bigger when he gets fired. That that's essentially what all of these are. Um, sometimes it's different, but the the lifespan no, right. of a coach in an organization isn't necessarily too long, and it does feel. It feels different this year in Toronto, the pressure. There's obviously pressure in that market, um, but there is a, a different kind this year where they got that taste of success, but then just absolutely fizzled out in the, the second round against the Florida Panthers. That This feels like just getting to the second round and just winning that playoff series and getting that monkey off of their back is not enough anymore. That This is a team that needs to be contending for championships, not just contending for second rounds. And I... I have always believed they've had the roster to do it, and I have always been proved wrong. Um, so I I'll be interested to, to see what happens. But a little surprised they haven't made um, a, a bigger splash to the roster. It felt like that was kind of coming with one of the, the core four moving out. Instead, Brad has just kind of filled in some of the blanks and has actually built in a semi-decent team, I think. Yeah, it's a one-year risk. A lot of what Brad's done there with the mm -hmm. Domi, with the Tyler Bertuzzi, John Klingberg. I don't know that I trust that defense again to get them anywhere in the postseason with that goaltending core, especially. Um, I just don't know that they have the back end to... There's a lot of similar situation to Edmonton, to, to be quite honest with you, except I, I think I like Stuart Skinner um, more than I like Ilya Samsonov at this point. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. I think they're a better team and they're a deeper team, but what does that translate to for them? And uh, we know it'll be under Sheldon Keefe and... Uh, speaking of Brad Living, he uh, spoke on a video call this morning uh, after the announcement on the Sheldon Keefe extension. Let's hear from the former Flames GM and current Leafs GM on his decision to give Sheldon Keefe a two-year contract extension on this Wednesday. You're right. I, I, I've taken, you know, as I've said, I think earlier, um, since taking the job, I've, you know, one of the one of the things that I've spent a lot of time with is getting to know Sheldon and, you know, spending a lot of time with him. Um, having a lot of discussions about the team, um, you know, just, just, you know, his overall thoughts of our group and, and, you know, sort of what's happened in the past and how do we, how do we best move forward? Um, so you just, you take all that information and I, and I reflect on it and a few things. So number one, first and foremost, is I think, you know, my, it's my belief, um, you know, having watched it from the outside then having spent a lot of time with Sheldon over the summer here is that I think Sheldon is a top coach. I think he's a really, really good coach. I think he's, he's dug in with, with this group. I think he's, I think he's smart. I think he's a great communicator. Um, I think he relates well with the players. Um, then I keep coming back to it. I, 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 when you, when you've got a, when you've got good people, you, you want to keep them. And uh, so it made sense to me. 
I think a byproduct, and a lot of people may speculate that the reason it's done is, you know, is the noise and, and, and the distractions. I think as a manager, you're always trying to eliminate distractions, but, you know, I want to be clear, this is, that's a byproduct of this. Um, you know, this gets done because I, I really think we've got a good coach here and, you know, his record in the regular season has proved it. Um, you know, he's still, you know, he, what, what he's done in, in, in his young career here is, is puts him at a, you know, puts him with some real good company in terms of, of coaches, you know, past and present. So, um, the more I, I went through this process with Sheldon, um, the more it just it made it made a whole lot of sense um, to 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 get something done, uh, get him looked after, um, get that behind us, give give him some peace of mind, and and again get everything focused where it needs to be, at, which is the start of it, which is the start of of cap and and getting our team up and going. He's made a a positive impression, obviously, on you since you arrived. What has impressed you the most? You highlighted his leadership in the in the statement that was sent out. Like, what have you seen since you've been in your role that has really impressed you? Well, a few things. I think he's got a real good. I think he's got a real good relationship with our players. You know, I think there's a. a you know, it's not about being liked as a coach. It's about being respected. And, and the conversations that I have with our coaches, I think there's a, or with our players, there's a great deal of respect. I think he's, you know, he's a he's a he's a student of his craft um you know he's he's constantly looking at ways to get better you know this is throughout the course of the summer and he's you know we we talk daily and he's 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 really dug into finding ways um to make the individuals better um you know i i think he's a real i think he's a deep thinker um he's cerebral um and like I said, I, the 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 time, the effort, and the work he puts towards his craft, um, it's impressive. And you know, so so I don't know if there's one thing, Mark, that I would say there's an aha moment. It's just as you go through, it's like building any relationship. As time goes on, you you get a better understanding. Um, listen, I realize we haven't played any games and we haven't been in the battle together yet. Um, but I, I've spent enough time with him to really understand this. This, you know, he's really knowledgeable. Um, so his his brain, his work ethic, um, the way he, you know, the way he treats people, the way he works together with his staff, um, and the and 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 that communication he has with the players, I think is um, is excellent. And uh, so when you put all those things together, to me, it was it was the right it was the right decision. Next up, we'll go to Terry Koshan, Toronto Sun. Go ahead, Terry. Hi, Brad. Thanks for doing this today. I suppose you, you kind of answer in that answer um, or address it, but what gives you the confidence that Sheldon can be the guy to lead this team uh, deep into a playoff run and potentially a uh, Stanley Cup victory? Well, thanks, Terry. I I mean, I think probably a lot of the same things I just said. Um, you know, I know we're all focused and, and at the sort of the end of the the end goal here um there's a lot of steps that you have to take to before you get there and uh um you know you you 
you have to put yourself in a position year after year to get to the dance, to give yourself a, an, an opportunity. And, and Sheldon's done that each and every year. Um, yeah, I know it's been talked about, you know, in, in this market for a long time, you know, what's happened at the end of the season uh, in the last few years. But, but, you know, you have to keep putting yourselves in those positions to have those opportunities. And to me, this, this, to have success in this league, you got to keep knocking on the door. You have to be good for a long time and consistently be a good team. And it just gives you another, it gives you another ticket to the ball. And, and you keep knocking on that door, knocking on that door, knocking on that door to, to you eventually, you know, knock it down. And, uh, you know, when I just look at all the, the attributes, uh, to me that, that are important for a coach, um, you know, Sheldon's got them and, uh, you know, he's, he's, like I said, I just impressed with how he, he conducts his business. Um, and, and, and this guy's, you know, he's, he's got a deep, deep, deep passion for this team. He's, you know, I've pushed him to get out of town there and turn his phone off for a couple of days and just get away from it. But I mean, he's constantly thinking about how, how he can, how he can push this team and, and the group of players collectively and individually further. And um, and so obviously, you know, it's through that, Terry, and, and the time I've spent, the questions we've gone through, um, that I feel he is the right guy for the job. Thanks, Rod. Next up, we'll go to Dave McCarthy, NHL.com. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, Brad, when you were going through your evaluation process uh, with Sheldon, how much did you solicit the input of the players and what kind of feedback did you get from the players on what they thought of the job that Sheldon had done? Yeah, I, I think you, you know, you've, you've, you certainly, I do certainly take feedback from the players, no question. And it's a little bit interesting, Dave, because I'm still getting to know the players. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit of a unique situation and, you know, at the end of the day, you got to be careful sometimes, you know, whether, you know, the player piece, you know, you can obviously players that have been around a lot longer and have been through, um, you know, some time in the league, then through some time with Sheldon, you know, it's not, it's not a popularity contest, but you can tell when, when, a, when a coach has had an impact on them and when they believe, you know, that the coach has had an impact on their team and that, you know, they get pushed. And that was one of the things that came back to me real consistently from the players that it wasn't, you know, it's not, it's not they're going to bat for their buddy per se, as much as, you know, they believe that, you know, they've, they've grown as a group. Um, you know, there's uncomfortable times, uh, at certain times because he's, he's demanding and he, he expects a lot. He pushes, he pushes these guys. Um, but there's a real trust factor. What I, what I, what I gathered from the players is they, they trust him. They trust that he's doing the right thing by them. Um, yeah, but it, it, it's, it's going to be hard and, 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 and you have to be demanding or you are, he is demanding. And I think you have to be demanding as a coach. That's part of, um, that's part of this profession. You have to, you know, you try to strike that balance between demanding and, and, um, you know, that relationship piece, um, and it's, it's, it's a balancing act, but I, 
you know, there's not every day's kumbaya in this business. And, and, and part of coaching and part of professional sports is conflict. Um, I believe that. I think it, it makes you better. Um, but I, I, I guess it's a, a long way of saying that the feedback from the players was, um, you know, in strong support of Sheldon and, and how not only, you know, the things he's done to make that group better, but each individual, how he's, you know, he's pushed them individually. So um, there's a strong belief for the players um, and support of the players of Sheldon for sure. That is Maple Leafs General Manager Brad Living after the news that he has extended head coach Sheldon Keefe for two more seasons in Toronto. He's Peter Klein. I'm Logan Gordon. This is the Sports Drive. It's brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. PK, we're heading out of here on this Wednesday. Uh, you've got the reins of the show the next two days with uh, Aaron Vickers. Yes, yeah, uh, a couple of guys who used to work at the same spot, and now neither of us work at that spot, and now we are <laughs> kind of filling in here. Um, in a new spot, uh, yeah, an Vic- old spot. Yes, yeah, my old spot, uh, and a, a continuous spot for uh, for Vickers. But yeah, it, it should be a lot of fun. Um, uh, hopefully we have happier news to talk about than what we started today's show with. Uh, but we are, we will officially be a week away from the start of the NFL season. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays uh, won't lose tomorrow. So that's going to make me feel very good. <laughs> so th- there's, th- there's a lot to, to get excited about and uh, happy that Aaron and I will be uh, along for the ride for the next couple of days. Looking forward to it. Uh, thanks for hopping in with me for a couple of days, pal. It's been great as always to hang out with you. Uh, we've been doing so from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios with our outstanding producer today, uh, Azam and Taylor, doing great work for us. We had Andy McNamara on the show a little bit earlier for our first edition of Ask Andy. You can catch that in any of our segments up on the podcast. Just search Sportsnet Today 960 on Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. They are back tomorrow. It's PK and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet Today. Uh, later on tonight, no Jays baseball. The afternoon affair in the books with a 7 nothing win over the Washington Nationals. So enjoy the rest of your evening. We're back tomorrow. Same time, same place. Sportsnet 960, the fan.